This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us tonight. Well, a bitter cold front pushing through the south coast, leaving over 27,000 customers without power this morning. Parts of Vancouver Island, North Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, the hardest hit areas. Temperatures tonight dropping to as low as minus seven. Grace Key with our top story. The snow came down hard and fast overnight. Freezing temperatures made for some tough driving conditions. It was slow moving for drivers who were struggling trying to get up North Road in Coquitlam. This is crazy. Like, I think this might just be the biggest snowstorm uh, I've seen in years, if not ever. Like, really? I, don't, I, don't think, uh, like, I don't remember the last time we had snow this bad and it just came out of nowhere. On the North Shore, trucks were out clearing the roads for this latest winter storm. Overnight, parts of Metro Vancouver got up to 15 centimeters of snow. And on the island, Nanaimo got hit with 10 to 15 centimeters of snow. High winds and heavy snow did cause some, some tre- trees and branches to fall onto our equipment and then resulted in power outages to customers. So at the peak of the storm, we had about 31,000 customers lose power. It was a frosty start to Vancouver's Chinese New Year parade. Hundreds of people line the streets of Chinatown with parents bundling up the little ones against the chilly air. And kids did what they could to stay warm. And I got glass, I got mittens, and I got, a, and I got these, and yeah, so still cold. And how many hats are you wearing? Two. Two hats. Are you nice and warm? Yes. Yes. Enjoy the sun while it lasts. More cold weather and snow could be headed our way. Grace Key, Global News. Well, let's bring in our meteorologist, Yvonne Schall, uh, picking up on that point that Grace just made. It's pretty windy out there and it's about to get colder. Yes, and we're continuing to see a wind warning that is in effect. The following areas in purple, uh, south, um, a northeasterly wind, 70, with still gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. Greater Victoria, the southern Gulf Islands, and stretching in towards Howe Sound is where we'll continue to see them. Late this evening, they'll start to ease up. Some of the peak wind gusts that we have seen, Saturna Island, 61 kilometers per hour. Abbotsford this morning, up to 60 kilometers per hour. And here's a look what we're currently seeing. Howe Sound with a sustained wind close to 60, a gust of up to 70 kilometers per hour. Victoria still seeing gusts right now up to 35 and areas near Tofino at 37 kilometers per hour. The winds will start to ease off, especially for the evening hours, but it's the temperatures. That's the big weather story. We're dropping down to minus seven overnight. I'll have more coming up very shortly. Sonia. All right, Yvonne, thanks very much for that. We'll see you a bit later. I want to show you this video. It's tweeted out by the Transportation Ministry. Highway maintenance crews uh, tackling the Coquihalla this weekend, dealing with over 35 centimetres of snowfall between yesterday and this morning. This is the Coquihalla Snowshed Protocol at work. It is the go-to plan when there is more than 15 to 20 centimetres of snowfall over 12 hours or freezing rain conditions for the snowshed corridor. Several pieces of equipment, including plow trucks, graders and snowblowers, are out in full force, of course, clearing the way for drivers. Getting some breaking news from Vancouver Island right now. Victoria Police appealing for information to track down a man wanted in connection to a sexual assault on a 12-year-old girl. It was just afternoon. Police received a report of a man following two young girls in the Bay Centre. Once the girls were alone, he assaulted one of them. Then he ran off. He was last seen heading north on Douglas Street. This is a description of the man. He's been described as Caucasian or Aboriginal, a male, 40 years old, average height, medium build. If you do have any information, please do contact police or Crime Stoppers. 
Activists were out in downtown Vancouver today demanding the government do more to solve the housing affordability crisis. Their demonstration comes just two days ahead of the NDP's first provincial budget in 16 years. Housing measures, of course, were a major part of the throne speech. But as Tanya Beja now reports, these advocates saying they want action, not just words. We will take back our housing. Homes, not hotels. More than 100 people gathered at Jackpool Plaza demanding action on Metro Vancouver's housing crisis. We're losing young people. Our city's being hollowed out. Worried that I'm not going to be able to live here. The moment is here for us to really do something. Advocacy groups representing renters and homeowners calling for more enforcement on issues plaguing the province from illegal short-term rentals and renovations to speculation and money laundering. The housing crisis is something that affects all of us, even if it is to differing degrees. Their messages resonating with British Columbians who are feeling squeezed out. We're angry about what's happening. The three of us rent in an old falling apart one bedroom in kits. Um, We've looked at moving into the suburbs, we've looked at renting bigger places, but the cost is just so high that it just doesn't make sense even as a middle-income family. Really the, the, the main frustration is the lack of data over what's driving a lot of these price rises and there's a lot of question marks. Your government believes that... In its throne speech, the provincial government signaled its intent to create more social housing and affordable rentals, along with measures to deal with tax evasion and money laundering. We're really hoping on Budget Day next week that the NDP will bring in not just little tiddly measures, but some very strong measures with enforcement. The first step to move forward would be really a speculation tax. Something to prevent people from trying to flip to make a profit at the expense of everybody. As they pass around the petitions, many here waiting and hoping for answers in Tuesday's budget. Tanya Beja, Global News. An elderly man has died after fire ripped through his home in East Vancouver overnight. Smoke and flames erupting from the home in the 2600 block of East 47th Avenue just after 4 a.m. The fire breaking out in a basement at the back of the house. A family of three lives upstairs. They were able to escape but suffered from smoke inhalation. Fire crews fought back the flames in order to reach the man in the basement suite. When I looked at that house, um, I saw a lot of smoke coming out the house and also saw fire. Um, And then I called 911 immediately. The fire was right near our entry point where we wanted to get in. So so we had to knock that fire back before we could get in and, uh, and search for the person. We knew that there was somebody inside. Uh, Cruz did a great job in knocking the fire down quickly and getting in to get the person. Unfortunately, uh, he was deceased when we did get to him. Well, first responders did try and perform CPR on the elderly man but could not revive him. Fire investigators now working uh, to determine the cause. A tragic end to the search for a missing skier in Revelstoke. 24-year-old Michael Foster was reported missing on Friday after failing to show up to work for three days. Revelstoke search and rescue team searched the ski hills all day yesterday. The Alberta man's body was found out of bounds in the Greeley Creek drainage area just before five o'clock last night. There is another search that's being carried out by Kamloops Search and Rescue and RCMP. They're looking for a 19-year-old man who disappeared at some peaks. Ryan Stuker was last seen leaving a party early yesterday morning at a home on Burfield Drive. He has not been active on social media and he failed to show up for work. Stuker was last seen wearing dark jeans, a grey-white shirt, a blue coat 
and a burgundy ball cap. He's 5 foot 10, 155 pounds with blonde hair and brown eyes. If you do have any information about him, please contact RCMP. Now, last night, we told you about the incredible efforts of some good Samaritans who jumped into action to save a couple whose van had plunged into Okanagan Lake. Today, we caught up with one of the rescuers to hear firsthand what was going through their mind at the time. Jules Knox reports. Yeah, just around this bend here. Chris Sales was rounding the corner on his drive from Penticton to Kelowna when he saw a minivan plunged into the water, sinking quickly saw the driver open the door obviously in a panic trying to get out I was able to stop my car on the side of the road along with some other Samaritans around 9:30 on Saturday morning in wintry weather conditions the driver lost control of her minivan just south of Kikinini Provincial Park sales jumped into the frigid water others running to help forming a human chain it was starting to get deep on me so I <laughs> reached my arm out and said hang on to me so I don't go any further and uh, the van hadn't settled yet, so it was still going down at this point. Before the accident, Sales was talking with his mom on a hands-free device in the car. But the phone didn't hang up, and Rosemary Sales became worried as she heard part of the rescue from afar. And it was just, oh, 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 like that, over and over. And of course, I, I, was, I was really concerned. Then I heard a woman's voice and she said something about get the door and then I heard my son's voice and it was something like get that and 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 that was it. The line went dead. Sales says time was closing in. And they still had uh, room to breathe at, at this point. Didn't know how how much the van was going to sink. Sales and others were able to haul the driver and passenger to safety. They were cold but safe as they waited for first responders to arrive. Just definitely the looks in, in both of their eyes. Uh, he was quiet, but uh, the female driver was in hysterics. Penticton's fire department says both people in the vehicle were taken to hospital by ambulance. Their condition is unknown. Jules Knox, Global News, near Penticton. The Coast Guard rescued two people this afternoon after their sailboat began taking on water west of Richmond. A BC ferry was temporarily diverted to come and help. According to the Joint Rescue Operations Centre, neither of the two were hurt. A Richmond trampoline park operator is asking the B.C. government to bring in safety regulations less than a month after a man died at one of its facilities. In a letter to the Premier, Extreme Air Park's owner Michael Marty says he wants to work with the government to develop regulations, as right now trampoline parks work hard to ensure public safety, but the province could actually be doing more as well. The letter comes weeks after a 46-year-old father, Jay Greenwood, suffered a fatal heart attack and serious injuries after performing acrobatic manoeuvres. The Richmond facility is one of three extreme air parks in B.C. A disturbing follow-up now to a story we first told you about in December. A veterinarian from Cranbrook now says that a rash of mysterious and deadly dog poisonings was intentional. The Steeples Vet Clinic says medical tests from two dogs now confirm that a toxic substance was involved. They are confident that the dogs were not poisoned by a natural substance. The findings support the RCMP investigation into potential criminal behaviour. Pet owners are again being warned to avoid the Cranbrook community forest where the dogs got sick. 
Still ahead tonight, selling the city. Would you buy Vancouver branded merchandise? Why one city councillor thinks it's a great idea. And can you guess who this is snowboarding at Whistler? Bit of a hint for you. He's a soccer legend and the proud husband of a Spice Girl. Welcome back. Well, a Vancouver artist who tweeted her impression of the Florida school shooting has been overwhelmed by the response. Pia Guerra's Heroes Welcome shows the young girl leading football coach Aaron Feist to meet a crowd of others slain in school shootings. Feist was one of 17 people killed when a former student opened fire at a high school in Florida. Feist died while trying to shield his students from gunfire. Heroes Welcome has been retweeted nearly 20,000 times and received more than 40,000 likes since February 15th. Uh, mostly I'm surprised at how many people are telling me that they're crying from it. I mean, I, I get that it's an emotional thing, but it's like hundreds of people saying this and it's like, wow. Um, so I'm, I'm odd, I guess. <laughs> people are interested in, in hearing something through this particular platform. And if there's something that's important to be said, I'd like to try and find a good way to say it, especially if it means it could help people or it could make people think about something and work for change. Now, have you ever wanted to snatch a street sign or take home some public art? One Vancouver councillor is proposing the city sell its brand through products that have previously only been available as limited editions. As Kristen Robinson now reports, other world cities are already doing it. Selling Vancouver. Gastown vendors have been moving mementos for decades but soon there may be a new brand on the block. Materials, products, uh, things like public art that we might have licenses to, street signs. You wouldn't believe the kinds of things that people ask me, whether they're available from the city of Vancouver. Riding on the success of the TransLink merchandise train, which rolled out SkyTrain towels and bus models wow, online late job. last year, Vision Vancouver councillor Andrea Reimer opening up an opportunity for staff to consider a cost-neutral retail operation for city-branded products. For people who are locals who want to show pride in the city, people who are visiting to take Vancouver home with them, why not make that opportunity available to them? Toronto's city store offers everything from raccoon mugs to neighborhood toques. For sale at the Big Apple's official store, a New York taxi salt and pepper set, or a subway map umbrella. Transit stops, it shows you the bike path. Vancouver not letting Manhattan rain on its parade, holding what could be its signature souvenir. Nice to be able to advertise your city, and this is a fabulous place, so why not? Do you yourself walking around with a city of Vancouver hat on? or uh, Probably not while I'm living here. <laughs> Maybe if I move away. Yeah, if I had something like that, I'd wear it anywhere. Nothing too elaborate, I guess. Like Maybe like a simple logo. Just not this one. Baby's onesies. It says property of poor Coquitlam, freshman. <laughs> if Reimer's motion is approved, Vancouver won't be alone. Port Coquitlam already pushing onesies, aprons, t-shirts and mugs in its city of Poco swag room, a retail game that brings in $2,500 a year. I think when someone has, uh, that they can come and wear something that says Pork Coquitlam, it allows them to sort of brag a little bit in kind of a Canadian kind of way. And how about the Poco umbrella? Take that, Vancouver. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Oh, you never know. Now, if you were in Whistler this weekend, you might have caught a glimpse of someone bending it like Beckham. 
But it actually was David Beckham, the soccer legend, posting a video of his family ski trip on Instagram. It's not their first time at the resort. The Beckhams did hit the slopes at Whistler Blackcomb this time last year. Beck's taking the time to snap a photograph with a fan who wrote on social media that seeing Beckham was the highlight of her entire Whistler ski season. Will the Beckhams make this a regular trip in February? Only time will tell. It's pretty cool. All right, so we're heading there tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I know. How many of us would have loved to have seen that? They're a pretty see, cool family. I'm going to see if he has any extra cologne I can have. <laughs> he doesn't need cologne. He just well, he's got his own brand, I believe, Oh, right? he does. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, stuff. if it works for him, I just, I just want to just do this experiment. I mean, I don't yeah. You don't need it. He doesn't need it, really. No, you don't he? need it there. No, he's You're like a magnet. Yeah. Anyway, we'll leave that there safely and uh, talk about the weather because it's freezing outside. Yeah, and temperatures are going to be the big weather story. I did want to give you a snapshot of the impressive snowfall totals that we've seen. Uh, these are for the southern interior, taken from Saturday morning all the way in towards this morning with the summit closer to 40 centimeters. If you're on the Allison Pass, between 20 and 25. Hellsgate Roadside, 30 centimeters. Uh, Kamloops was included within that, 15 to 25. Castlegar 19 to 26, so very impressive. And it'll end off with the Kootenay Pass between 15 and up to 20 centimeters. The snow has tapered off. We're going to see a nice break, but it is going to be very chilly with this Arctic air that is in place. How long will we see these cold temperatures? We'll have those numbers coming up very shortly and the timeline too. Oh, that's important information, yeah. Just how long is it going to be that cold? It's freezing. Too long, mm. apparently. Um, is it affecting sport at all? Or not really? uh, uh, I don't know, not too much around no. here. We're kind of concentrating a bit on Olympics of course, you know, a week from today they're going to be done. Canada uh, has some chances for uh, more medals in the early morning hours coming up, so we'll set that up for you. Take a look back at the Canucks. You know, the Canucks haven't won a lot of games in the last couple of months, but the ones they are winning are really impressive, which was last night against Boston. I believe I said there's no chance they're going to beat them uh, about this time yesterday mm-hmm. against the Bruins, and they only beat them 6-1, to one, so... Well, it's very never, that never listen that. to me. I don't. Yeah, whatever I say, just do the opposite. Yeah, no, don't write the Canucks off. Right? Well, they have uh, steam. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not going to make the playoffs, but it's just you know they kind of have throw in these where did that come from kind of games, and that was one of them last night. Well done. Uh, just in case the players are watching. All right, coming up, a family feud on the high seas. Several relatives, and why they were booted off a cruise ship after a violent brawl. Ahead of that, the New Brunswick teen who inspired an international campaign of kindness succumbs to cancer, how her legacy is living on. Stay with us. Welcome back. Well, her story inspired the world. A teenager from New Brunswick who was told she had terminal cancer. She turned her suffering into a global movement. But tragically, Rebecca Schofield passed away last night. She has left behind a legacy of kindness. It began with a bucket list made by a teenager faced with the unthinkable. At just 17, Becca Schofield was diagnosed with terminal cancer. At the top of her list, inspiring others to do good. There are certain things that I want to do with with my time left. And so it began. Spurred by the hashtag Becca told me to, people began doing acts of kindness and sharing their stories on social media. From a cup of coffee for a stranger to donating blood all in Becca's name. We had a Riverview High School student come in today who said, I came because Becca told me to. In the year since Becca told me to took social media by storm, the Riverview teen has received many honours. She was awarded a Canada 150 medal, had Becca Schoolfield Day proclaimed by the New Brunswick government, and even received a shout-out from the Prime Minister. He's doing something for me to 
to recognize me for it. Like, blows your mind. <laughs> This past fall, the school fields received news they were dreading. Becca was diagnosed with another tumor. Knowing it could be her last Christmas, Becca's parents were determined to make it a special one. We can use the boost right now, and, and um, it, it certainly helps Becca. It helps all of us to, to, to get through the days. The call was put out to send Becca Christmas cards to brighten her days, and they came by the hundreds. The mere mention of your name makes people behave kinder. The idea of of being gone forever, that scares me. But then I remember, even if I'm gone, I'm still going to be here in, in the acts of kindness that people have done, and, and people are going to remember me for that. And so what Becca told us will live on. Rebecca Lau, Global News, Halifax. A Calgary couple's romantic getaway in Mexico has come to a tragic end. 34-year-old Troy Black was rushed to hospital in Puerto Vallarta on Thursday to treat a tear in his esophagus. He was put on life support and given the hospital's entire supply of typo-positive blood, his wife even reaching out on social media for more donations. Sadly, though, he passed away last night from cardiac arrest, his family urging everyone to continue to donate in his memory. Patrick Brown has been addressing the sexual misconduct allegations against him today at his campaign launch in Ontario as he throws his name back in the ring for his old job. What has happened to me, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Yeah. To be vilified without due process is absolutely yeah. gutting. To be shunned as an outcast in the party that I love over fabricated news reports, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Brown stepped down as leader of the Ontario Progressive Conservatives last month, hours after allegations were made against him by two women. On Friday, the PC party removed him from the caucus. He will sit as an independent when the legislature resumes on Tuesday. Students from Parkland, Florida, the site of the deadly school shooting last week, say that they are planning to march on Washington, D.C. to call on lawmakers to address gun violence. In the meantime, the president today getting a lot of heat over the blame game he seems to be playing on Twitter. Funerals for three of the 17 killed at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Victims of the carnage left behind after 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz opened fire with a legally bought AR-15 semi-automatic. But students' grief is turning to anger at lawmakers for not passing gun control legislation. We're not going to let the 17 bullets we just took take us down. If anything, we're going to keep running and we're going to lead the rest of the nation behind us. The students are planning a March for Our Lives demonstration in Washington, D.C., March 24th. The high schoolers are calling out President Trump, Florida Governor Rick Scott, Florida Senator Marco Rubio, and others for their inaction. We are talking directly to them and all other members of the United States government that are being funded by the NRA to tell them, now is the time to get on the right side of this. Despite promises after the mass shootings in Las Vegas and Sutherland Springs, Texas, Congress has failed to limit the sale of bump stocks or tighten up the instant background check system. But members are still promising to fix it. I have individuals in my neighborhood that own an AR-15 that doesn't make it a dangerous neighborhood or them dangerous individuals. It's the, it's the individual themselves uh, becomes the issue, not the weapon that they're holding. On Twitter, the president is blaming the FBI for not acting despite warning signs about Cruz, saying the FBI is spending too much time on the Russian election investigation. Jennifer Johnson, NBC News, Washington. 
All 65 people on flights in Iran have believed to have died in a crash this morning. The commercial plane went down in a mountainous region of the country. Emergency crews weren't able to reach the crash site because of foggy conditions. The aircraft has only been brought back into service in recent months. It had been grounded for seven years due to maintenance concerns. An investigation into the cause of the crash is now underway. A cruise trip from hell has finally ended after an unruly family started a brawl and had to be removed from the ship. A warning that this story does contain some violent images. And this was all caught on tape. A fight that was reportedly started when someone stepped on another person's flip-flop. The 26-member family is accused of starting a number of fights throughout the trip. Many passengers saying that they had to lock themselves in their rooms to avoid the violence. The family was taken off and the remaining passengers have been given a discount for their troubles. Police are now investigating. All right, this weekend's winter weather has caused a lot of headaches in BC, but for two giant pandas, winter weather... No downside. The pair were playing, climbing trees and rolling around in the snow as they made their first appearance at a zoo in Finland. These pandas, having a lot of fun, are on loan from China for the next 15 years. All right. Yvonne has got your rather frigid forecast. Minus seven is the prediction for tonight. That is coming up. Plus, breaking box office records. Black Panther raking it in on opening weekend, smashing all expectations. Stay with us. Coming up Monday on Global News Morning, Canadian platinum recording artist Tyler Shaw is joining us to talk about his new single, Cautious, which headlines a new album that's due out later this year. Well, all of this uh, fresh snow that we've been talking about coming at the perfect time for Grouse Mountain's annual 24 hours of winter celebration. It kicked off yesterday morning and continued after right through this morning as well. The mountain providing round-the-clock activities like late-night skiing. There's even a skating dance party and a torch parade as well. Uh, and the cold couldn't keep people away from the fun. Our Jordan Armstrong took part in the early morning snowshoeing tour where he took in the stunning sunrise the North Shore Mountains looking absolutely spectacular today. And it's about to get a heck of a lot colder, Yvonne. <laughs> it is going to be cold. If you're heading up to the mountains, though, it's fantastic. Grouse, for example, where Jordan was, uh, 25 centimeters of snowfall. Many for the interior are uh, seeing a significant amount. Wanted to thank everyone for sending in their tweets and uh, weather reports over the last little while. Here's a few of the photos of what we woke up to this morning. This was taken uh, in Coquitlam, uh, areas into the Tri-City. We did see that range between 5 and closer to 10. Nanaimo was one of the harder-hit areas. Brent took took that photo. This was a shot from Westwood Plateau, where we typically see some of those higher amounts. West Van this morning, saying that it was socked in, and areas near Nanaimo once again. A great shot of the snowfall accumulating, and this was a great shot also taken from Denman Island uh, last night. Here's a look at some of the totals once again. So Metro Vancouver, we did see a range between a trace to up to 15 centimeters. It's higher elevations that saw closer to 15. Hope picked up 10 centimeters. Areas near Chilliwack, 5 to 10, Abbotsford at 5, and areas near Nanaimo, 
Daniels saw that range between 10 and up to 22 centimeters. A shot outside this evening on our tower cam. We are seeing dry conditions. We'll continue to see plenty of sunshine, but it's the temperatures, this cool Arctic air that has settled into place. We're at minus one with a northeasterly wind at 15 kilometers per hour. We're still seeing very gusty conditions. How sound up to 81 kilometers per hour. Victoria at 44 and areas near Tofino for western sections at 37. Comox right now with a sustained wind at 31 and a gust of up to 46 kilometers per hour. Our high today was at 2 degrees. Average sits at 9. We'll stay well below it and it's really the overnight lows. We'll have more in just a moment. A very happy birthday to Jean from Tawasin celebrating 106 and Lois from Enderby celebrating 100. So congratulations to you both and a very happy birthday. Back to the numbers what we are going to see. So it's overnight lows for Metro Vancouver minus 7 but you factor in the wind chill feeling closer to minus 10 and that's what we'll anticipate for the early morning hours. Whistler already sitting at minus 7 and the wind chill for the morning hours will be closer to minus 17 and for the overnight at minus 19. Central interior at minus 9 and areas near Prince Rupert currently sitting at minus 1. Arctic high, that's what's in place. It'll continue to give us those dry conditions. Areas into the interior will start to see more breaks in the cloud for tomorrow. Future cast into play, not tracking any activity over the next two days, so it will remain dry. Breaking it down with your three-day forecast starting off in the piece. Tomorrow at minus 8 with the wind chill feeling closer to minus 25. We are still seeing a few flurries for Whitehorse over the next two days, and then it brightens up once again on your Wednesday with dry conditions. Coastal sections will be at the freezing mark with a few isolated flurries. Inland, though, with the wind chill feeling closer to minus 18. Caribou and Central Interior, the wind chill at minus 27. Columbia and Kootenai Region with the high of minus 3. Plenty of sunshine. The Thompson Okanagan, sunny and dry with minus 5. Whistler at minus 5, but once again, the wind chill at minus 17 for the morning. And we're still seeing a wind warning that is in effect for the southern sections of the island, along the southern Gulf Islands, and for how sound that'll ease off this evening. Sunny and dry, but very chilly over the next little while. It looks like we'll start to see a change later on in the work week for tomorrow with only a high of one degree. Sonia? Cheers, Yvonne. Thanks very much for that. All right, hundreds of people tackling the stairways of one of Vancouver's tallest towers today. This is the 17th annual Stair Climb for Clean Air. It happened at the Sheraton Wall Centre Hotel. Uh, those taking part are racing up the 48 storeys to the top of the building. And by doing that, they were raising money uh, for the BC Lung Association. Dozens of firefighters also took part today, competing for best climb, uh, best climb times while carrying 75 pounds of gear. All proceeds uh, supporting vital lung health programmes and organisers hoping to raise over $75,000. We're doing this all for the one in five Canadians who do the, who suffer from some sort of lung disease. Uh, that means you and I probably know someone pretty close to us that is suffering from something that could be asthma, COPD, uh, lung cancer, unfortunately, uh, and we want to support those people. Great part uh, for all of those taking part. Coming up, the latest medal count for Team Canada, plus a Bruins blowout. The Canucks scoring six goals against their former Stanley Cup rivals. Barry will break it all down after this break. So see you back here in a couple of minutes. All right, welcome back. We've got lots of sport to uh, get through mm-hmm. and um, an update on the medals. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, Canada's uh, we had just one yesterday, and uh, that's okay. Yeah, as long as that that mark is moving. <laughs> uh, are, it's, it's been a great Olympics so far, and there, I think there's more to come. I have that feeling, and I'm never wrong, except the Canucks. <laughs>
Thanks, Sonia. Uh, Summerland's Justin Cripps is in the medal hunt in the men's two-man bobsled. He is second after the first two runs. The final two runs go about 3 a.m. our time tomorrow or early this morning if you want to stay up. Cripps is just one-tenth of a second out of the gold medal position currently held by a German sled, but it is right there for him. Meanwhile, in curling, Canada's Rachel Holman is starting to find her form. After a disastrous 0-3 start, Holman won her last two games. She's on the ice. Just Ashley finished her match against Japan. They won 8-3. So look out. They're playing well now. They're 3-3. And And our Canadian women's hockey team faces the Olympic athletes from Russia in the semifinals. That's also an early morning start, 4 a.m. our time. Meanwhile, the men's hockey team and its quarterfinal picture is getting more clear. Canada shut out South Korea 4-0 early this morning. Vancouver's Gilbert Brule had one of the Canadian goals, so they finished second in their pool, 2-0-1 record. They do advance directly to the quarterfinals where they will likely play Finland. The Finns play South Korea in a qualification game on Tuesday. So the medal standings, Canada got the one in slope-style uh, skiing yesterday, so they are at 16, third overall, and as mentioned, they've got, I think, a couple on the horizon coming up a bit later on today. Well, hand it to the Canucks. They've been big on shock value the past week. They haven't won a lot lately, but their last two wins have been a 6 nothing road shutout of the Dallas Stars and a 6-1 dismantling of the red-hot Boston Bruins last night at Rogers Arena. Two wins that were totally unexpected, but also show what this team can do when they play together and they get lights-out goaltending and possibly when high-end teams take the 28th-place Canucks lightly. Canucks paying tribute to the Chinese at New Year last night, and then they got off to such a great start as uh, Louis Erickson got one to make it 1-0, and then nice pretty passing. Look at Thomas Vanek to Daniel Sedin. They love that play. Daniel sneaks over to the side. They scored like that in San Jose the other night. 2-0, and then Troy Stetcher will spring Bo Horvat. Look at that power move. Goes in and roofs it past Tuka Rask, who is... A Vezina candidate this year, but what a play by Bo, who has scored a couple like that this year. He's now got uh, 15, and again, proving what a key cog he is in the Canuck wheel. Second period, they keep coming. Jake Bertanen, strong to the net, stop, but Nick Dowd scores. His second of the year made it 5 nothing. Now, it sounds like a blowout, which it was, but had it not been for Anders Nilsson, Boston could have got five themselves. Look at that save there on David Krejci, and then... He'll make another great uh, saves, a couple more here. 44 saves in all for the big Swede. His first win since November 30th as the Canucks take it 6-1. Tonight was a night where, where uh, I had the bounces on my side, and uh, it's always nice to have a lot of shots done uh, when, you, when you feel like you're, you see the puck well and uh, uh, you feel that everyone is battling hard in front of you. we got a lot to play for, our guys, and it's not just... You know, the young guys, it's everyone. Everyone wants to be part of changing something and getting better and, and building as a group. And it's every game. you got to reset the button and play your ass off. They were working it last night, for sure. Oilers have now slipped behind the Canucks into 29th overall. Edmonton's lost six in a row at Colorado this afternoon. The former Penticton V, Tyson Jost, snaps it over Cam Talbot's shoulder, sixth of the year for Jost, made it one nothing, but the Oilers tie it. Connor McDavid, long rebound, quick release there, ties it up 1-1. McDavid's 24th, but just a minute later, Avs point shot, and this one is tipped by Vancouver boy Alex Kerfoot, his 15th of the year. He's had a very good rookie campaign in Colorado, 2-1 Avs, but in the third, Oilers tie it. McDavid allowed to walk in and rifles it. 
15-incher over the pad and under the blocker. Ties it at two, under seven to go. Mike Camilleri to Ryan Strom for the game winner. McDavid got his hat-trick goal into the empty net. Oilers snapped their six-game skid 4-2 over the Avalanche. Colorado visits the Canucks on Tuesday. Tyler Myers and the Jets hosting Florida. Winnipeg with a chance to move into sole possession of first in the Central. Down one nothing. but speaking of great rookies, Kyle Connor, his 20th of the year. Great pass from Blake Wheeler. So many productive rookies these days in the NHL. 1-1 after one. Second period, a bit of a break here. Nick Wheeler's shot off a Florida stick over James Reimer and in, but Florida has tied it. They're 2-2 now in the second. And we've got the Leafs and Red Wings. Mike Babcock, of course, won a cup with Detroit about 10 seasons ago. Leafs and Wings, and uh, Jake Gardner shot deflected off. James Van Riemsdyk in. His 24th ties it at 1, 18 seconds later. Look at the skill and patience of Mitch Marner. Fires in his 14th. It was 2-2 late, but Austin Matthews has just scored in the final minute, so the Leafs are up now 3-2 in the third period in Detroit. Still to come, the Daytona 500 kicks off the NASCAR season, and Adam Hadwin makes a big payday, a big, it's a big paycheck at Riviera, thanks to a terrific weekend of shot-making. Highlights of the final round when we come back. Welcome back. Adam Hadwin had a rough second round at the Genesis Open on Friday. It looked like he was going to miss the cut by a wide margin, but he holed out for an eagle on his second-to-last hole and just made the cut on the number. Then the 20- or 30-year-old from Abbotsford took full advantage, shooting back-to-back 66s this weekend, the lowest score of any player to shoot into the top 10, and a cash a big paycheck to give him some momentum early in this PGA season. Riviera playing tough as always, a great test of golf. The players love playing there. Hadwin only got some TV time at the 18th, a nice pitch shot to a couple of feet. And that led to a par to finish his round at 5 under 66. The second straight 66 on the weekend for Adam. Six birdies and a bogey today. And he ended up finishing tied for sixth at 8 under. Won 241,000. Not a bad week in L.A. He ended up tied with Phil Mickelson. Phil playing well. Hasn't won for a while, but he's been sniffing around the top of the leaderboard for the past month. Chips in here. And once again, Phil tied with Hadwin at uh, minus 8, tied for six. Bubba Watson. Out of the bunker at 14. Big log jam at the top, but Bubba holes out for birdie, has the outright lead, and never looked back after that on 18. Watson will uh, curl in the par putt to seal his two-shot victory over Kevin Na and Tony Finau at the Genesis Open. Bubba is now a three-time champ of this event at Riviera. Nick Taylor of Abbotsford finished 12 back at even par. FA Cup action. Harry Kane on the bench as Tottenham visited lowly Rochdale, who play in League One. That's three tiers below the Premier League. But the Minnows strike late in the first half. Ian Henderson with the low bullet. 1-0 Rochdale at the half. Spurs tied it, and then Kane came on as a sub and converted this penalty in the 88th to give what seemed like the Spurs a 2-1 victory. But hold on, the home side delivers the fairy tale ending in stoppage time. Steve Davis with the strike of his life there. Rochdale stuns Spurs 2-2. They'll need to play a replay at Wembley, the last thing Spurs need with their busy schedule. NASCAR season kicks off with America's race, the Daytona 500. Peyton Manning driving the pace car. Probably shot a couple of commercials in there while he was at it. The race is divided into three segments. First stage, 60 laps. Second stage, 120. Final stage, 200. Racers get points for how they finish, so it's a touch complicated. Let's get to it. Final lap, first segment. Here's what you came for. 
the wrecks. Jimmy Johnson among a group of four drivers involved in that one. Get the view on board with uh, Jimmy Johnson. That spelled the end of his day. The 48 car, not uh, operational. Kurt Busch won the first segment. Second segment goes to young driver Ryan Blaney for Team Penske. And then final segment, two laps to go. Massive pileup. Eight cars eliminated. Look at the sparks along there. The race goes to overtime. And Austin Dillon, who didn't lead the race except on the final lap, takes the checkered flag in the number three car, which is, of course, made famous by Dale Earnhardt Sr., who won his only Daytona 500 20 years ago today. And Dillon pays respect by replicating Earnhardt's burnout three in the infield grass. So quite a day for him at Daytona. NBA All-Star Game from Staples Center in L.A. No East-West format this year. Instead, they drafted teams, Team LeBron versus Team Steph Curry. Both teams, uh, both Raptors, DeRozan and Kyle Lowry on Team Steph. DeRozan with the layup there. And, of course, not a lot of defense going on in the All-Star Game. Short Lowry there with the offensive rebound and the putback. LeBron James had 14 points in the second quarter, including that little reverse jam. 78-76 at the half, and we'll have a lot more for you coming up at 11 from the All-Star Game. Brilliant. Always fun to watch. Uh, definitely. All right, Black Panther making box office history. That story when we come back. Here's a look at your snow report with lots of fresh snow for all the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with 27 new centimeters of snow and a base of 310. Grouse with a base of 392, Cypress 390, Sasquatch 336. Revelstoke with a base of 276, Manning Park with 40 new centimeters of snow and a base of 257. Powder King a base of 263 and Mount Washington with 47 new centimeters of snow. Big White with a base of 293, Silver Star 263. Sun Peaks 234 and Apex 248. All right, if you want to stay away from the snow and head to the movies, it's been a blockbuster weekend for the movie Black Panther, projected to earn a record $218 million. Uh, the support for the film with a predominantly black cast is actually coming from a lot of major stars. They're praising it for pushing Hollywood boundaries. From coast to coast, fans in head wraps and face paint, forming lines around the block for Marvel's Black Panther. I felt like I had chills the whole way through. Stars have caught Wakanda fever too. Serena Williams held a screening for kids in San Francisco. For, you know, black people, we've never had a superhero movie, so we're so excited. And actress Octavia Spencer bought out three showings for fans in Mississippi. Fandango says Panther is among its top five ticket pre-sellers of all time. And it's already broken sales records for more than 80 AMC theaters nationwide. It's Marvel's first black superhero movie, and Hollywood says its success, as well as its presence, is historic. There are those who have never seen a uh, representation or imagery of themselves, and so we were hungry to see ourselves as, as heroes, as queens, as kings, as warriors, as strong women. It's a movie for the ages. It's iconic. A moment for young boys and girls to imagine themselves as heroes. And now it's our time to shine. Morgan Radford, NBC News, New York. Oh, good news for them. All right, the Chinese New Year, of course, was going on uh, today, and a lot of people braving those temperatures because <laughs> it was pretty cold to be out there in Vancouver. So we'll leave you some pictures uh, of the parade. Thanks. <laughs>